Let's pray together as we begin. Holy Spirit, thank you for this opportunity to be together. It just is really good to be together as a church, to experience you together. We pray today that we would experience your love, that you would come, that Holy Spirit, you would come and touch each and every heart, and that we would receive encouragement, we would receive hope, we would receive faith, that we would receive the inner strength that we need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So while I was on sabbatical, I had a lot going on through my mind. I even began writing a book. And I hope to be able to share that with you in the future, hopefully near future. And I am looking forward to sharing a lot of my thoughts with you through sermons and all that. And one thought I wanted to share with you today, though, is the thought that plagued me through the break. It would come from time to time, very unpleasant thought, and that is the question of, am I enough? Am I enough? Am I good enough? Because I was worried, and I had to take a break because of my back problem. And I was worried if I would ever be able to get back to pastoring, to get back to my job. And I worried, who am I if I can't be a pastor? You know what I mean? Can you relate to that? Have you ever had thoughts like that? Have you ever had insecurity, felt insecure and inadequate about who you are and what you can do in life? Am I good enough as a husband? Am I good enough as a mother? Am I good enough as a father? Am I good enough as a provider? Am I good enough at my job? Am I going to be good enough in my life? Am I good enough to carry off my dreams and hopes? Have you had such thoughts? I thought so. These questions are not just about fear of failure. It goes deeper than that. It's this fear and worry about who we are and what failing would mean about our worth and our value. The deep self-doubts. And the Bible tells us these questions were with us from the very beginning. Genesis 3 describes the fall of humanity. You know the story. Adam and Eve take the forbidden fruit, right? Everyone knows the story? The origin of all our problems come from taking the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You're familiar with this, right? Have you ever wondered, by the way, why is it the knowledge of good and evil would be such a big problem? Have you ever wondered that? Wouldn't it be good to know and differentiate between good and evil? Why would that be such a big problem as to be called the original sin? What can be so bad about that? Have you wondered? Well, Genesis 3 tells us what comes from taking this fruit. The first thing that happens is then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. 
So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. To me, this is one of the most poignant and sad passages in the whole Bible. Because before this, they could look at themselves naked, no blinders on. They could look at themselves and they were happy with what they saw. They had no problem with who they were. But after this, when they look at themselves, they feel compelled to cover up. When they look at themselves, they no longer are happy with who they are. They judge themselves. The judgment turns inward. They weigh themselves good and bad. It's knowledge of good and evil. It turns inward. And they come up short. They must cover up. They must prop themselves up with some kind of covering to feel better about themselves. So you see this inner voice in your head that asks, are you good enough? This inner voice that plagues everyone that's been with us from the very beginning. You see that? This is the first fruit of knowledge of good and evil. And it is very sad. And the second thing that happens is they hide from God. They don't trust God anymore. Not fully. They weigh God. And God is scary. He wasn't before. They trusted God. They hung out with God. They were all happy with who God is. But now... They are not so sure anymore. They hide from God. They don't trust God to be safe and loving and accepting. They are afraid. They have weighed God. And it's no good. So the Bible tells us, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. So God sees them hiding. God sees them covered up with some stuff, probably ridiculous, right? I mean, fig leaves. I mean, ridiculous stuff, right? So God's like, what happened here? Right? And what does the man do? Adam means man, by the way. What does the man do? What men do all the time. The man blames the women. Right, you see that? The woman you put here with me. The woman you put here with me. She caused all the trouble. Blame her. This game goes way back, guys. This game goes way back. It's in our blood. Adam, be a man, right? Come on. Man up. And just own the problem. 
But no, the woman, she's the problem. Do you see the judgment and alienation from that? They're judged and alienated from each other, from themselves, from God in every direction. They have eaten from the knowledge of good and evil against themselves, against each other, and against even God. It's ironic, but it's not God who is judging. It is the human beings who is judging. You see that? That's why this is called the tree of judging between good and evil. When they take this fruit, the judging goes in every direction. And this is serious business. This is origin of all human problems, the Bible tells us. Look, this is another sermon, but the next chapter, the story of Cain and Abel, it's another well-known story. It's just a retelling of this very same dynamic. I mean, you know the story. Cain feels rejected by God. Cain feels insecure about himself. He's judged himself. And then he judges God and Abel. And he ends up killing Abel. He is alienated from himself, from God, from others, judged in every direction. You see, it's the same dynamic at work. More on that later. But you see how serious this problem gets Worst kinds of human evil come from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So given this, I wonder why, as Christians, we don't take judging voices seriously enough. It's called the original sin. Why don't we take this more seriously? Because the fact is, the Christian church is full of judging voices. As if judging was our job. In America, surveys tell us that Christians are known first and foremost for being judgmental. That's what we are known for, folks. That's what we do. We go out there and spread the original sin. There's all kinds of Christian leaders make it their number one priority to nurture people on fruit of knowledge of good and evil. They're pronouncing God's judgment on every issue. They're trying to turn people into guardians of morality, into people who just spread original sin everywhere, judging everything. Do you see that? It's everywhere. That's why people think Christians are so judgmental, because that's what Christian churches do. And that is so tragic. Because it is the exact opposite of what Christ came for. The cross reverses the fall. Jesus took on the cross to take care of the original sin. To free us from that slavery of original sin. That's what the cross is for. Right? Through unconditional grace... The cross reconciles us to God. God is safe. Amen. God is not judging us. He died on the cross to tell us He is not judging you. He is inviting you into His love. Amen. Of course, if we do something bad, criminal, 
There are consequences to be had. We may have to go to jail. We may have to make amends. Our lives will be adversely affected. Yes. But our worth and value before God is not changed. It is established by the cross. And it will never change. Because the cross says your worth and value is worth the life of the living God. That's infinite. That can never be changed. It can neither be added to or subtracted from. Amen? Amen. What good news? The cross has taken away our guilt and shame. The cross has reconciled us to ourselves by offering us complete freedom from guilt and shame. When we look at ourselves and we feel guilt and shame, we turn to the cross and it's taken away. We are free from that. We no longer need coverings. The cross is our covering. Amen? Amen. Amen. And the cross reconciles us to each other through unlimited forgiveness. The cross is the perfect antidote. It reverses those three judgments and alienations in a perfect way. So it is the tree of life that stands against the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's the cross or the judgments of good and evil. This is a fundamental choice in life. Folks, this is perhaps the most important choice you can make about how to live your life. Will you build your life on the cross or will you build your life on the tree of knowledge of good and evil? We can construct we can so easily, and we do, construct our sense of self, our identity, on some system of good and bad. We build our identity, our society, our way of life, our worth and value on some system of good and bad. That's what we do as human beings. It can be a philosophy. It can be a religion. These days, all those Facebook and Instagram posts to compare ourselves, to measure our worth and value over success and wealth, over beauty and fame, over who has the better vacation, who has the better stroller, <laughs> who has better teeth, who has better job, who has better six-packs, it can be over anything. It can be over being a good person, a religious person, what race you are, what have you. It can be anything. It can look so different for different people, but it's all the same in the end. It's all some sort of covering to prop up our identity because we see ourselves, when we see ourselves fully, naked, we come up short, We're constantly judging ourselves, and we are constantly coming up short, and we need something to make us feel a little bit better about who we are. The cross stands against that. By taking away 
all power and validity of judging. You see, the perfect man was condemned and died on the cross. That shows judging doesn't work. God judged judging on the cross. Judging was judged on the cross. At heart, this is what Judaism and Islam object to. When they object to the Messiah, the perfect human being dying on the cross, they feel that God who is just would not have let that happen. But justice is not the final word from God. Love is the final word from God. The cross is a stumbling block. Foolishness to the world built on systems of good and bad. On systems of power and success. Knowledge of good and evil. But to us who believe, to us who choose Christian, it is the power of God for salvation from hell of judgment and alienation that came through original sin. Amen? Amen? For when we choose to believe we are worthy by the grace of God alone, that we are loved and valued for who we are, for just existing, then we become free of the need and the compulsion to cover up. And that place of freedom is where we can experience heaven. We can experience peace for the first time, the true peace. So being a Christian means detaching worth and value from all the coverings we've been accumulating throughout our lives. Now let me make this straight. I am not knocking all those good things. Success is good. Better than failing. Right? I like succeeding. It's fun. It's more enjoyable than failing and falling on your face. It's nice. It's good to be beautiful. It's good to be whatever, you know. Enjoy it. Enjoy all the, the beautiful self that you are. Enjoy all the successes and, and whatever you like you, about yourself. Enjoy that with no guilt and shame. Enjoy the good things in your life. But do not let them go to your head and define your worth and value by them. For when you do, if you're valuable because you're successful, then you become its slave. For example, the college scandal. Right? You've heard of the college scandal. Who hasn't? It's been on the news every day, right? All these rich and famous people who tried to bribe their way into colleges for their kids. For example, Lori Laughlin and Massimo Giuliani. I look at them and I think, oh my God, they are so rich. Their wealth is in nine figures, they say. They have this massive brand and they're so famous and they're so beautiful, they're so good looking, right? <laughs> I mean, so beautiful and their kids are so beautiful and and they had to get their daughter into USC even using criminal means right and the one question kept on coming to my head and that is why why did you have to do that 
Apparently, their daughter had more than 2 million Instagram followers at the age of 16 or 17 or whatever. I, I mean, she was well on her way into stardom. I mean, that's, that's multi-million dollars right there, right? Did she need USC? No! You don't need that! Why? Why did you have to do that? They're facing, what, 40 years of prison? They destroy themselves going after what they absolutely did not need. Doesn't that strike you as odd? Doesn't that strike you as if they were compelled? Some kind of addictive, compulsive behavior? As if they were enslaved in a way? This is what happens, guys. Always. You see, all our coverings are never enough because it is a deep hole in our hearts that demands to be fed again and again no matter how much we have accumulated. See, once you build your life on any system of good and bad, we become slaves to what makes us worthy in our eyes. Remember this, folks. We become slaves to whatever makes us worthy in our eyes. Questions like, am I good enough? You see, we get, we get deceived into thinking if we get that rich, if we get that beautiful, if we get that success, if we only get that, then we'll be enough. Then we'll have peace. If we get married to our soulmate, if we get our kids to get into the right path, get into colleges. But all those dens, there's no end to all those dens. There's always another den. It is for freedom Christ has set us free. The Bible tells us. Now this verse refers to religious system, being a godly person that makes us worthy. Surprisingly, this verse is referring to true biblical system of following God. It's not talking about some false religion. It's talking about true biblical system. Even when it's the right system, it can still make you a slave to an idol. Because religion, by definition, is about knowledge of good and evil. The first eight chapters of Romans is all about this dynamic. If you want to get your head spun around, read Romans. <laughs> and it's about this very dynamic. Read that with this thought in mind. And new thoughts and new insights will come to you. It will finally make sense to you what it's talking about. It's talking about this dynamic. It is for freedom Christ has set us free. This is the primary purpose of the cross, to free us from the fall. So how do we get to that freedom? The Bible tells us Jesus emptied himself on the cross. He says he existed in the form of God. But he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, 
but emptied himself. Jesus emptied himself of all his power and glory, everything that made him worthy and valuable. He let go, emptied himself. This is what makes Jesus the second Adam, as opposed to the first Adam who grasped after all those coverings to make himself worthy and valuable. Jesus instead let go. Even his identity as God, he let go, emptied himself of everything that made him who he is. That's just incredible. That's unbelievable. So, as Christians, when we say we are following Christ, we are following him into this. We too must choose to empty ourselves of everything that makes us worthy in our own eyes. We have to let it go. And if we do, the reward is our identity and our worth and our value will be secured forever. It will be anchored by the infinite love of God that will never change. You will feel this power and love coming from the living God that anchors you. You will feel this inner freedom from compulsion to have anything to make you worthy. You will have inner peace. You will have inner power. You will have a solid place from inside where you will never have to wonder, am I enough? And from that solid place inside, you will have better chance of succeeding in life anyway. So when I feel bad about myself, when questions like, am I enough? Am I good enough? When they come up, and they come up, been a pastor for many, many years, been a Christian for 37 years now. I can't even like remember. <laughs> and I still am beset with questions like, am I good enough? Judging and weighing and second guessing. I am called to empty myself when I feel insecure to detach worth and value from all those identity markers. Like I'm a good person, I'm a smart person, I'm a helpful person, I'm a successful person. All these things make me feel better about myself. Look guys, to be honest with you, you know, six, seven years ago, you guys remember those days when we were at the 40th floor of World Trade Center? It was nice, guys. <laughs> You look out and all of New York would be below our feet. And it was swanky. It was shiny. I mean, at our peak six, seven years ago, we were at like 500 people. We were well on our way to be going to big, maybe even mega church, right? And as a pastor, you know, that makes you feel good to stand in front of all these people in beautiful place. And you feel like you're something else. You're something. People are listening to you. And you think you're going to become a voice. But now, <laughs> and you think, what happened here? Right? Well, what happened here is that we really 
stake our flag on this message of the cross. Now we are not about judging between good and evil. We're not about calling some groups of people unacceptable. We're not a church that's going to go around and call some groups of people like LGBTQ community to be second-class citizens. They can't really be accepted here. My God, it'll be betrayal of all that we believe. Why even be a Christian? Just be any other kind of religion that like, divides people into more acceptable, less acceptable, good and evil before God. We are a church built on the cross. On this message of what Christ came for. We empty ourselves. We don't put identity markers on people and, and, and ascribe worth and value before God on anything except Christ's death on the cross. And we pay the price. Now we are here fanning ourselves. <laughs> hey, but this is a lot easier than getting tortured on the cross, right? But it is hard. It is very hard to empty ourselves. I think it's a form of death, don't you think? To die to everything that makes up who we are. That's very hard. And that is what it means to take up our cross daily and follow Christ into emptying ourselves. He doesn't need us to be tortured. He doesn't want us to be tortured. He, he's done that already. That's not what he's calling us to. He's calling us to freedom that comes from emptying ourselves, building ourselves on the love of God. So when you are feeling insecure, when you are finding yourself in the knowledge of good and evil, let it go. To quote Frozen, let it go, let it go. Do that constantly. And if you turn to the cross, there's a flow of the Spirit of God that will come to you. It is promised. It is promised. It will free you from the most fundamental slavery. Slavery to what makes us worthy in our eyes. It is for freedom Christ has set us free. And what helps with that process is, let me give you some practical suggestions. Every day, you can ask three questions, especially when you feel susceptible to self-doubt and worth and value. All that comes up, ask these questions. What goes to your head? What must you have? And what gets to you? These are three questions that will identify the identity markers that enslave you. Do you have to be a good mother? Do you have to be successful? Do you have to be a good son or daughter? Do you have to have this or that? What goes to your head? What makes you heady? And what gets to you? What gets your goat? When someone does or says something and, and you really gets a rise out of you and it doesn't have to, but it does, that's a good indication of what you have built your worth and value on. Again, it's good to be successful. Go get them. More power to you. Enjoy them. But don't let them measure and define your worth and value. We must turn away 
from the world built on knowledge of good and evil towards the kingdom of God built on unconditional love. And those questions help you to know how to turn and when to turn and where to turn. Now, even as I tell you this, to be honest with you, what I'm telling you is impossible. Can't be done. Not going to be able to do it. Because this is the original sin. It's in our blood. We're like crack babies. It's just in us. We will be every day, all the time, going after this because this, this is what it means to be a human, to be fallen. So, that's why we need God. And that's why we need each other. And that's why we need church. With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. This is why we need to constantly invite God's power and His love and His spirit into our hearts. We need God's unchanging, unconditional love to flood our hearts all the time. Flush it out. Like those pools, like public pool, just gets always flushed out. Otherwise, it gets really bad, right? That's what needs to happen. Filtering. This is what we see as the primary job of our church. There's a promise over our church, the river. Our name refers to the verse where Jesus said, For those who believe, there will be a river of living water, the Holy Spirit, the personified love of God, that will flow into your hearts and give you life and freedom. This will change your life if you just keep receiving God's love. So I'd like us to pray together as I wrap up. Would you be up for inviting God's love into your heart like this? To be freed from your identity markers? Doesn't that sound good? Why don't we turn to God? Because there is a promise from God, even now, as we turn together, that God's love will flow into you. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we invite your presence even now, right now, that you would come and flood into our hearts, that you would speak and your voice would be louder than all those other voices in our heads that pull us towards the world of knowledge of good and evil. Free us, even now, Holy Spirit. Even now, let us feel the reality of your promise, the reality of your presence. In Jesus' name, come and speak to us. You are worthy. You are loved. You are valued, no matter what. You are worthy of Christ's life on the cross. God's love comes to you. And God's love anchors you. And God's presence will free you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.